Personally, I like the blazer that Chris is wearing right now, although I wish he was wearing a shirt under it. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Daily Caller Podcast, and thanks again for joining us for those who have listened to the first four. And if you haven't, go back, listen to them. They're all awesome. Yesterday was a train wreck. We apologize for anybody who didn't like it, but guess what? Tough. Um... My name is Vince Colonnese. I'm joined by Will Ron again and Taylor Bigler again. But now today we're also introducing uh, editor Chris Bedford of the Daily Caller. You can give a shout out, Chris. Yo! All right, perfect. Uh, that spiked. And uh, <laughs> and uh, Betsy, how do you say your last name, Betsy? Fours. Fours. I, I've never known. Um, I've always just seen it written. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's Fores. It is not. Foray. Commonly called Flores, but I'm not Hispanic. Betsy uh, is right. doing... For those picturing this and what's going on here at home, so you know. <laughs> Betsy is joining us as a UN observer uh, because this show is out of control. So, uh, she has her blue helmet on. Get away from my guns. She has her blue helmet on. Uh, let's start with one of the biggest stories that's been dominating the cycle ever since the election concluded, and it's been this fiscal cliff craziness. Uh you know, come January 1st, of course, we have massive tax hikes and uh, giant spending cuts all happening at once. It's, some economists expect that it'll be four, a 4% GDP hit to the economy if it happens. So, today, John Boehner comes out, gives a press conference, and says the president is attempting to deliberate, his deliberate strategy, quote-unquote, is to bring us to the edge of the fiscal cliff. Bedford, let me start with you. Do you think that... Well, why wouldn't he? I mean... He gets everything he wants out of that. He gets a massive tax hike. He gets death tax back and in, in, in full. He Across the board, he gets massive cuts to defense. Uh, there's absolutely no reason he has. I mean, I don't, why why they would even co- go into this deal in the first place, or Republicans would, is, is shocking to me. And it, it shocked a couple people back when they did it. And now they're somehow surprised that, that he's got them by the throats. Uh, absolutely. Right. It's, it's, a, it's a dream deal for Obama. And uh, and, and if it, the, the only way that he can probably the Republicans won't go off the fiscal cliff is if they go with his ideas. And last week, last week Secretary Geithner comes to Congress and brings this deal: 1.6 trillion dollars. The White House plan through tax increases on uh, families that make over 250,000 a year, and also saying, "Hey, the president can raise the debt limit without Congress at all. That's what we want," which is. I would think to, to bipartisan observers, it should be, to bipartisan observers, insane. How could you want to raise the debt ceiling without having congressional involvement? And there have been a couple arguments that have been made about this. The president, and but none of them are very good because the president has voted already against raising the debt ceiling when he was a senator. And secondly, anytime you have this conversation like and say, oh, well, we've never talked about raising the debt ceiling before. It was never a big deal. How come it's all of a sudden a big deal? Well, why were you voting on it in the first place? Why is it just a ceremonial vote? Isn't it something that Congress should consider? Of course. It's the only lever that Republicans have right now, over the next two years at least, probably four, to be able to do anything to push back against the Democrat agenda. They always hear people talking about divided government being bad. But that's the whole point of the government, the way it was designed and the genius of it, was to divide it and slow things down. When Congress is doing stuff, the they're saucer. pissing me off. What? The saucer with the cup and the tea. You talking about the cat? No, I'm not talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking. There is. I don't, I don't know where the Daily Caller podcast cat is. No, the, uh, no, I'm talking about the uh, the tea. George Washington made the tea, and it was too hot, 
So we throw it overboard. No, shut up. We freaking so, throw that tea right you overboard. Just shut up. You don't know and shit so, about tea. No, no, shut up. <laughs> so we've got the hot hot cup of tea, and that's that's the House of Representatives, where you know you got all your like Yosemite Sam. Oh yeah, and then where it goes to cool down. Yeah, and then yeah. It's, it's the saucer. I never quite. It's a metaphor. I never yeah, quite. It's, it's an old metaphor. Yeah, but I never quite understood it. Is that really what a saucer does? It like cools the cups. Did he did he pour it? And so you have to hold it, the hot tea cup with your hand. Are you kidding? You me? don't cool things in saucers. You don't, How no. do you cool things? Microwave? No, no. You use the... Uh, ice cubes? You use uh, ice cubes. Yeah. Yeah. And freezers. Well, they didn't have freezers back in, 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 in W's day. The outside yeah. exposure. Sorry, what does this have to do with the fiscal cliff? <laughs> oh, we're all doomed anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Just making sure. Let's talk about the good old days. Saucers. Speaking of saucers, <laughs> let's... We're going to die of boredom. Let's move in the direction of flying saucers. Uh, the feds are now getting ready to scare you yet again by having the National Highway Transportation, excuse me, Traffic Safety Administration today propose long-delayed regulations requiring auto manufacturers to put black boxes in every vehicle in America. The federal government's now regulating that this needs to happen. Like a jewelry case? Like, the, like a lockbox? Like, like a, a, like a, a lockbox. Lock <laughs> hey, who's that guy? Good throwback. Poor uh, fella. The... Uh, no, the black boxes, as you, as you all know, are, are typically found in airplanes, and after crashes, they're used to analyze the data that led to the crash to prevent those things from happening again. And now they're saying, look, we want these in every single vehicle in the country. Is this a step too far, though, in terms of privacy? Is it going to stop me from pushing cars off of cliffs and collecting insurance? Not yet. <laughs> because if not, then I am all for it. <laughs> You're all for it otherwise? You like this idea? Well... My theory on regulation is, is is screw everybody except for me. So if it gets in the way of my insurance fraud, you are just. I mean, no, of course it's this true. is like Boston <laughs> Irish. <style. laughs> I mean, you like you dance. sir are a racist. Yeah, you you dance around for the enjoyment enjoyment of the the, the, the Protestants. You're like a, a caricature. It's a big, a, <laughs> I would, yeah, I would say be careful when you start your car. Yeah, yeah. Careful when you start your bicycle. Could the I mean, prime minister be taking his normal car? <laughs> yeah. um, this is a bad idea. It's a black box. Why? Black box. I don't want. You don't want. I don't want to. I mean, first of all, recording voices is dumb. Period across the board. Is that what, is that what it would do? No, I don't see anything indicating that they will do that yet, if at all. I mean, how does this work? Does it like so? Does it so like it pick records, in with it records like brake data? It'll know when you begin braking. It'll record your steering patterns. It'll record whether or not you had your seatbelt on, mm-hmm. and all of that data will then be brought to court. Depending will it me? This is actually. But the, the idea would be that there's at least 15 minimum data points that will come with uh, with this black box technology so that when you go to court in your middle of a lawsuit, this is all part of the data. So in one sense, the government's probably arguing this and people who want to see this happen, this is like truth-telling, right? What really happened during the accident yeah. and, and leading up to it. Would foreign companies be required to put a black box in cars sold in America? It looks like that's the case. If they make the black box white, is that allowed? Well, um, you might... To, to, to answer some of those questions, you might be surprised to know that uh, we already have black boxes in 90% of new vehicles without any mandate already. They're almost almost entirely in all new vehicles already. That's what you suckers get for driving cars. So what's the point of the mandate? 
And it's, 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 it's a classic. It's, classic it's, it's the final step. It's, once everybody's already done it, they, they pass something, they pat themselves on the back, and then they say that now they know why Lucy hit a tray. That's she right. Was. Well, they already know because they can check the she was texting. texting. I crashed while texting before it was cool. Really? Yeah, I did. Were you, do you think maybe you were the first to crash while texting? No, and I wasn't the last, but, but I gave the people in front of me quite a start. Uh, serious question, Chris. Were you sexting? <laughs> no, I was actually fighting with my girlfriend. I originally read in the Washington Post that the sexting craze is big with the kids. It's really, it's really picking up. It's, yeah. 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 I, Will has sexted three people during this podcast already. Well, yeah. what you have to do, I learned this from my... From Don't my, pretend you didn't want to see it. I learned this from my, my college friend, Cocaine Joe. You have to, if someone leaves a person at a party, you have to take, take out the cell phone mm. and then send a sex to dad. <laughs> and then put it back in the purse. Your friend sounds away. like a real stand-up. <laughs> no, I lost touch with them. That's probably for the best. <laughs> you, really, you really hang out with winners, don't you? Uh, only. Okay. Well, actually, some losers too. Cocaine. Okay. Not cocaine. It's a congressman. on the fast track. All right. Finally, uh, Roger Stone, who is both uh, a notorious Republican trickster dating back to the days of Nixon, uh, and. Um, the Daily Caller's men's fashion columnist, for some reason, it, it writes in an op-ed today. Writes in an op-ed today for the Daily Caller that it's the holiday season and the well-dressed gentleman is looking for a festive Christmas party wardrobe, one that doesn't have to stay in the back of the closet until next December. He should he should consider a velvet jacket or blazer. Whether you drop three hundred dollars for a serviceable off-the-rack model or shell out sixteen hundred for a custom job. You should be able to get more than a few days and late nights out of it. I'm kind of curious why he thinks that could come out any time other than Christmas, though. Like, this is like a suggestion for a jacket you could wear outside of Christmas. Yeah, that's what it seems like. That's crazy. Because Christmas isn't the only day of the year that occurs in winter time. And you can can wear a velvet jacket. Hemisphere. But. You can wear a velvet jacket after New Year's. Maybe two yes. New Year's. Okay, I so think it's appropriate let me, anytime you have a prostitute. <laughs> let me introduce Taylor into this, because Taylor, I know that you're a huge advocate of the velvet I am jacket. A, I am an advocate of the velvet blazer or jacket. Um, I think it looks sharp. It's an excellent... Uh, addition uh, to the men's wardrobe. Addition to the men's... I don't know anything about men's wardrobes, but I like it. I like the way it looks. Side note. And, um, I'm, not fan, I'm not the biggest fan of this uh, purple one we have here, but I think navy, um, black, charcoal would be uh, excellent. Um, and I think you should all listen to what I have to say. I like yeah, I, I like, uh, personally, I like the blazer that Chris is wearing right now, although I wish he was wearing a shirt under it. <laughs> Don't, we all? Don't try to change me, man. He just came from the beach. Yeah, He's going to his other job later. Uh, I like cashmere. Our cashmere blends are more affordable. He's you get away to a department store to go out of business. You can get them for like a hundred bucks instead of sixteen hundred bucks. What I do? I always camp outside apartment. Department <laughs> oh, five ladies. The basement got thrown out of business by those bastards in New York. Macy's. What is Macy's? I know it's garbage. That's what it is. But. Uh, yeah, those are nice. You can get a cool lining inside. Maybe we should have put you out. on the opposite end of the table. I like being next to Will. <laughs> okay. Hey, men are talking. <laughs> <laughs> I got dressed oh, for him. Men are talking. Uh, uh, you know, Roger Stone, uh, a guy who cares a lot about wardrobe, you know, he decided to go after uh, Elliot Spitzer, not when he found out that Elliot Spitzer was having sex with prostitutes, uh, according to Roger Stone, mm-hmm. but when he found out that Roger, uh, Elliot Spitzer's having sex with prostitutes, apparently with black socks on. 
black knee-high socks. Well, he, I mean, that's I kind of got a question about Roger Stone, though. I was on his website the other day because he's got a really sweet intro video. He like shows an entire scene from Recount. Oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah. playing like yeah, yeah. And then he was like, and then when my friend watched it, goes, "So what is he? What are the tricks he's played?" It's like, uh, you know, tricks for Nixon. I'm like, no, really. I mean, we know what the G. Gordon Liddy did and all the other people. Well, all right. So the, the Brooks Brothers riot, the Brooks Brothers riot, but also uh, apparently back. So I guess it would have been 1980. Uh, New York that year went for Reagan, and the reason that New York went for Reagan is because we have a third party in New York, uh, or we did. Well, well, there was a third party, but there was also we had the Liberal Party. Uh, they died a few years ago, but the Liberal Party uh, they they endorsed John Anderson, the independent candidate, and according to Roger Stone, that's because he just handed off a duffel bag one day to the head of the Liberal Party, and then the endorsement was made of John Anderson like that afternoon or the next day. And then what do you do for 30 years? Then, well, I guess it's 20 years. Well, then you know how I got kicked off the Dole campaign. Does it have to do with socks? You have to do with Velvet Blazer. <laughs> we're really off topic here. At any rate, uh, <laughs> a, a burgundy, a burgundy, well cut and properly tailored velvet blazer is what he thinks looks dashing and, perf- and is perfect for a uh, holiday party. Yeah, but here's a secret: if you wear a well cut jacket at all, you look fine because so many people wear poorly cut jackets. I have a clothing related question, Vince. Why aren't you wearing pants? <laughs> I am the, the only guy who showed up actually fully clothed. It's a fantastic question, and it's exactly why, and it's exactly why I got into podcasting. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much for listening to episode five. Hopefully, many more episodes of the Daily Caller podcast, podcast coming at you. Uh, be sure to tell your friends to subscribe. Thanks so much, guys.